0: Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal, and we'll get it answered on the show.
1: You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Catherine Taylor. Well, welcome to the election day edition of Girls Gone Gravel. I'm here with Christy. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Hi.
3: Uh,
1: Christy just told me that she didn't want to start because she had too much wine last night.
2: Uh, That's a true statement.
1: Uh, Were you celebrating something?
2: Yeah, the uh, (laughs) rebrand of uh, the race formerly known as DK. We've got a new look, a new, a new face, Unbound Gravel. So pretty stoked about that.
1: So exciting. That's actually what we are going to talk all about today on the podcast is the rebrand and kind of the process you went through. And we brought a special guest in to join
2: us for that. You want to tell us who's with us today? Um, yeah, we brought Michelle Duffy in. Um, she is um, marketing mastermind of the off-road events for uh, Lifetime. So she's become a good friend over the last couple of years, uh, but more importantly, she's uh, she really knows her stuff and I'm excited that she was able to join us today, so.
1: Well, hey Michelle, thanks for being with us.
3: Hey guys, happy to be here.
1: Yeah, what, so are you in Kansas or are you, do you live somewhere else?
3: <laughs> I kind of split my time between Emporia, Kansas and Colorado these days. Um, but I'm technically based out of Boulder, Colorado.
1: Oh, why would you go to Kansas?
3: <laughs> hey, my Boo is here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I see. That makes sense.
1: I got I mean, me a Kansas man. <laughs> yeah. Did that happen with uh, the race when you were working with Unbound?
3: Um, yeah, he's a good friend of a lot of the staff um, for Unbound. And now I spend a lot of my time out here. So I, I do still say I'm Colorado based, but I'm, I think Emporia is welcoming me in with open arms these days as one it's of them. That's what out. Emporia does. So, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can see in the winter, although it gets cold in Kansas in the winter, right? You all get snow too.
3: It was great for riding all summer. I was just able to like roll out onto gravel where Colorado has tons of it, but you kind of have to drive or look for it. Mm-hmm. So that was a really nice way to spend the summer
0: I didn't,
1: all the triathletes are in boulder well lots of the triathletes and they all started riding gravel over the summer yeah it's like a there are little... no triathlons <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah for sure i think especially with covid we've seen so many triathletes and roadies and they've just all been experimenting with where they're riding and what they're riding so we've definitely feel like there's been a lot of new faces well, that's awesome
1: well we're going to take a quick break so that we can uh hear from our wonderful sponsors and then you may have noticed the format is really different today because i'm going to be talking to christy and michelle and asking them all kinds of questions about unbound gravel and the rebrand that we just went through not and by we i mean they <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we'll take a quick break for our sponsors Hey, Catherine, I'm so excited that Gooder's come on as one of our sponsors. I know we love Gooder sunglasses because
1: they come in so many fun colors and sassy fun names. Like, I got Lan- Lance's Afternoon Uppers, and I got Rose Before Brosé. <laughs> <laughs> they're really fun. And they're also performance
2: sunglasses. So, they're no slip, no bounce, and polarized. They start at a ridiculously low price of $25 a pair. Which means that
1: Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing at all. You do not need a discount when you already have the most affordable performance shades on the planet.
2: So go to gooder.com slash feisty and that's g-o-o-d-r dot com slash feisty now. These glasses even look good with mud on them. Thank
1: (laughs) you. Christy, do you know we have a new podcast sponsor? Did
2: you get your gear yet? I did. I was so excited. Dal Corva showed up the other day and I, um, I'm in love. (laughs) I think
1: I have my new, very favorite shorts, both for working out, walking my dog and like post a long ride.
3: Yeah,
2: totally. That Well, and I got that green, co- did you get the green? You didn't get the green, I got, I got the green. I got like an eggplant color. They're fantastic. Oh. I'm sorry, my green ones are better than your <laughs> eggplant.
1: <laughs> well, I really love the fun colors and all the fun patterns. I got really fun pants as well. And I love, this is my favorite thing. They have a pocket. I
0: know.
1: every pair of pants. So like after a ride, slide them on, put my cell phone in the pocket. It's amazing.
2: Yep. They work perfect. And they're, they are the, the shorts are the right length, my three quarter length tights. They're obviously, they're an awesome link, but they're super fun. I got the black and white stripe and they're, they're really cute. So I'm so stoked and the quality is, uh, yeah, I was stoked.
1: And they're incredibly affordable. I know. We yep. are very excited to have Corva as a new sponsor to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. You can go over to belcorva.com to pick up your fun new tights or shorts. Get the green ones. Well, we are back. And before we jump into the whole story about the name change, Michelle, I want to hear a little bit more about you. How did you end up working with Lifetime and getting into
3: cycling and all of those things? Yeah, I'll give you a Long and short of it, but I am originally from New York and I worked for a running nonprofit out there called New York Road Runners um, and oversaw the marketing for weekly races and then moved into managing the marketing for the New York City Marathon, but was looking to change it up, get out of New York for a bit and found this job with Lifetime, which was originally leading the marketing for the Leadville Race Series, including the Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race. Um, And I basically bullied them into hiring me. I was like, I'm your girl, I do this job in New York. Don't hire anyone else. I actually like showed up at their office in Colorado and was like, hey, can I meet everyone? And can you hire me? (laughs) And (laughs) they did. Um, So hopefully (laughs) they don't regret that stalker interaction. Um, But I've been with the organization now since November 2017. And since then have started to take on um, additional events. So now I have the off-road portfolio, which I think is the the funnest portion of the lifetime event portfolio. Don't tell the rest of the team I said that, but I get to play with all of the mountain biking, gravel riding and trail running events. And I was not a cyclist, I was a runner, Um, but working around the events, I started to become a bit intrigued. And I think once we took on DK, which is now Unbound, Gravel um, and meeting the team in Emporia coming out and seeing the training camp. I was like, I want to take a bite out of that apple. And, um, actually I would give majority of the credit for like, finally getting me to put on my big girl pants to Christy because she was like, all right, we're going to figure this out. We're going to get you on a bike. And she basically forced me to go to women's camp when I like had rode a gravel bike. Just five or six times before (laughs) and, um, That was last year, September. And I feel like I've really, over the last eight months, dove into it and been loving all of my time on the bike. It's addicting (laughs) and expensive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Cycling sports are expensive and there's always a new toy you can buy. I'm learning that. (laughs) So you were with the organization then before they bought what was at the time Dirty Cancer.
3: Correct. Um, I, yeah, I had been with the organization for just under a year when that acquisition happened. And did you know, like, were they talking about, like, we're going to buy this race or was it a surprise? Were you excited about it? Um, yeah, I had known that if the acquisition happened, that I would join the team with, um, with Christy and Leland and Treva. So that was on the radar, but let's be real lifetime had to court them for, a year. I mean, I think they were like we we say jokingly like dating for a year before um, before the team in Emporia agreed to the acquisition. And Chrissy could speak more to that than myself, but I know that we were we went out there a couple times, and we're trying to convince them that we were the right partner for them, rather than than the team trying to convince Lifetime that they were the right race for Lifetime. So it's it's kind of interesting. It's a reverse approach, but I think it I think it speaks a lot to the team out in Emporia as well as the Lifetime team and the events they're interested in. Like and Christy and Leland, they wanted to make sure that the decision was something that they and the community would be um, happy with, not a decision that Lifetime was driving and it was all based on. You know what it would contribute to the lifetime portfolio instead lifetime wanted to make sure that they were having a race organization that wanted to stay involved so i had kind of been there through the beginning of those conversations and then as it got more serious um brought in way more and we went out to emporium at the i think i met the whole team like right when the acquisition happened in the fall of 2018. That's
1: fun. And Just to clarify, because I think it makes a, a difference in understanding the whole story of the name change. When you talk about Lifetime, we're talking about the the same brand that owns the
3: fitness clubs and they have a triathlon arm. Do they have a road running arm? Yes, well? they do. And they own events such as like Chicago Half Marathon or the Miami Marathon. Okay, So this is a big company that we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A um, couple hundred clubs around Clubs are what, there are like resort style gyms, you could say, you know, a one-stop shop for a gym, salon, cafe, personal training, et cetera. And that's like the main focus of the organization. And Then we have a separate branch that's focused on events and there's just over 30 events on that side of the business.
1: What's this year been like for a lifetime? (laughs)
2: All the oh. don't do
1: it during a global pandemic.
2: Uh, we got two words for that, COVID and 2020. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Atypical. Um, yeah, this year has been really interesting because all aspects of our business have been impacted. It's not like a large company where just maybe one arm has been impacted or we're not an e-commerce business that was able to thrive in a different area. Um, we are focused on recreation, fitness. And so the club side of the business was heavily impacted, but all of our clubs are officially reopened with really strict guidelines, um, depending on the state. And then we canceled all of our events beginning in March um, for the remainder of the year. So I think we had two events happen this year. So it definitely hasn't been a normal year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: Christy on your all side when lifetime approached you, cause this, mm-hmm. this would have been the second year that lifetime owned the race. Is that correct? Or yes. the third?
2: 2019 was the first, um, lifetime produced unbound. And then this would have been number two. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit
1: on your all side of the process, because I know you've been. Well, with, yeah. I the mean, very I think beginning.
2: Yeah. I mean, internally and locally, uh, Michelle, like Michelle said, we knew internally that um, at some point um, we were going to have to look for something um, to sustain the race, to keep it sustainable. Um, and there had been a couple different options, uh, but the most viable was obviously the one we went with, which was lifetime. Um, and through that process, you know it's it's always interesting because people don't really get to see behind the curtain. Um, and personally, I think that that's, there's a good reason for that because really it's pretty boring and what goes on on the backside of it. But ultimately the team here in Emporia knew that what this event was and what it could be and, and how important, not only, I mean, there's really two sides of this, not only how important Emporia is to the event, but how important the event is to Emporia. And we knew, I wanted to make sure like my whole involvement when I initially got involved with the event was for my hometown of Emporia, Kansas. Um, It's something I'm incredibly passionate about. I love this community. Um, Maybe a little too hard and a little too much at times, but that's the bottom line. And I was brought on in 2008 to to a local organization here to really try to help find events for Emporia. And and this was the one that I kind of focused on. Um, This event for this community has meant a huge economic has had a huge economic impact. And, and um, I wanted to make sure that that stayed um, beyond Jim or Leland or myself, that when, when we decided we were done working for the event that the event would still live on. And that was where, you know, with, with lifetime courting us, and there were other organizations too, that were, were courting us. We felt like this one was the best fit. And as you know, the naysayers that were out there, I think we're fewer and further between after the 2019 event happened where you really saw what we were able to pull off, having more hands on deck and, and more manpower and, and better access to media. And, you know, it feels, of course, it's a big event. And so it's not going to be an event for everybody. But um, if you, you know, if you're looking for the small mom and pop event, um, unbound gravel lost that several years ago. It's not been small. Um, but we really strive. I mean, even the local team still, and now with the addition of the extra resources that lifetime brings in, we strive to always be looking at ways to improve the event, ways to make it better, ways to make sure Emporia benefits and, and gets everything we feel like it can get out of this event. And, and, um, I think we've done a great job of it, and I'm excited now that we have our new name. We get to start talking about that again and and um, sharing what the future looks like because I think it's really bright. So that's exciting. That, that, was, a little, that was a little bit too passionate. <laughs> we love Uh-oh. your
3: passion. I love the very you. very passionate
1: person, Christy. Like <laughs> I really struggle with that whenever you know we're talking
3: passion. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, let's get into what everybody's curious about is this whole process of uh, changing the name. So Christy, I'm curious, did you all, were there any rumblings or anything like, hmm, maybe this isn't the right name in the last few years or had, did everything really come out um, as everything happened this summer with the Black Lives Matter movement? And Well, just,
2: I mean, yeah. when you step back and look, if you look at the big picture of it, um you know, there was an issue. It was brought to our attention several years ago. We talked about it internally. Um, Jim had visited with the Con Nation and gotten their, you know, rubber stamp of approval. Um, but it, even even then, internally, we were having conversations about the fact that it was probably really time um, to to make a change. Um, you know, the events that happened in June. Um, I, I mean it's, they were unfortunate bottom line. I mean, it was, it was unfortunate. Um, and I don't really want to dwell on a lot of that past, um, because I don't think it does anything moving us forward. Um, but from that, you know, we, it just sped up the process for sure of, of the name change. Um, and then we did lose, you know, the, the partnership with the con nation basically, um, also went away in that time frame, which was, again, that was probably one of the harder things for me to handle, but, um, and it left us, you know, when we met with them um, and understandably, so uh, they basically asked that we just, we just step away from their name and anything associated with them. Um, and it, it, in fairness, I mean, they're a small tribe, they have plenty of other, you know, fish to fry and other things on their plate and a bike race, on gravel roads in Kansas wasn't one of them. And they wanted us to just to just basically give them space to do what they needed to do and, and ask for that. And we did. Um, and so, you know, moving to the name Unbound Gravel, um, we do feel it still very much speaks to the region that we're in and also um, respects that the Ka tribe's wishes.
1: Just to clarify, when you say the events of June were unfortunate, you mean things that were happening internally yeah, with your team, not the events that were happening in the world. Well, I
2: mean, all of it was kind of together internally and then also what was going on um, nationwide, so. Right, yeah. Michelle,
1: from your point of view, like, so you had just been uh, working on this event for a year. You kind know, what were you, what were you thinking, um, especially coming in as an
3: outsider and not from the region? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard because similar to Christy, I feel like I tend to get extremely passionate, and I once this event came onto my portfolio. No, I I don't have the same history um, as Christy or Leland or Jim or even Treva having been involved, and so I feel like in one way that allowed me to emotionally detach a little bit quicker from losing the, the name, um, or any connections to it. Like we had other name options on the table that we felt were really, really strong and great evolutions of where we had been with DK and while they maybe weren't DK anymore, it felt like there was a connection there. And when we were asked to step away, I probably had the easiest time and I think that's because I haven't participated in the event. I don't have the same history. That doesn't. I don't want that to come across wrong, though, because it doesn't mean that it didn't impact me greatly as well. Um, but I do think that I had an advantage in comparison to the rest of the teams' emotions um, to be able to be like, okay, well, this is matter of fact, and we need to to move forward. So, in in a way, I think I was a little bit more emotionally detached. Um, But at the same time, I've surrounded myself with this community and I think I've, I've tried really hard to learn the ins and outs of this event and take it on as my own. And um, so seeing, but more for me was like seeing how the rest of the team felt. Like while I maybe was feeling this emotion and uh, stress and everything around changing the name, seeing what the rest of our team and the rest of the community, um, both the gravel community and the Emporia community, was going through having that outside perspective. It was like it was sadder for me to see Christy and Leland and Triva and what they were experiencing every single day. Um, that I think that impacted me the most, um, as well as just being so close to the the community here. I think there's like a grief that goes on because while some people may understand that. DK or Dirty Kansas is, is hurtful to many. They might understand that, but it's still the event that gave them so many memories. And every summer they, that's the event that rolled out a commercial street, whether they were a participant or a business owner or just a community member. And the changing of that, the changing of that name is a loss, even though we're becoming something better. And I do think Christy and Treva and Leland, like they have begun to like rally around that over the last few months. But I also think we're seeing plenty of athletes that are now experiencing this grief because for them yesterday was the first day that DK was no longer and unbound gravel was. And I think maybe as an outsider, I I can experience that in a different way than Christy can.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad, you know, it's one of those things. And realistically, it was good to have um, someone that had a layer of separation a little bit um, because of the the emotionalness of of the entire process. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm proud of the work. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the 15 year history that we have. I'm also really proud of the work that we've done to get to this point with the rebrand, um, the people that we involved, the, the partners we spoke with, um, the care we took. And, you know, when, when we first started kind of settling around Unbound, it didn't, it didn't sit right, but, you know, I compared it to trying to rename my 15 year old kid. Like, how do you do that? Um, and cause that's very much what, you know, Unbound Gravel is to me. It's, it's a kid in, in a large aspect. Like I've been with it since the beginning and have watched it grown up. And in all honesty, there's parts of it that have totally outgrown me, um, and has, have outgrown the, what I thought this event was ever capable of. So to rename that was super, it wasn't easy. And it was good to have, um, that extra support from, from people, you know, like Michelle, um, to get us through it for sure. So. Wow.
1: I'm curious, Christy, how you uh, were able to navigate just there was a lot of uh, mean, angry, hateful comments on both sides. So there's the side that's like, why haven't you changed the name? You're just not you, you don't care about people. And then the other side was. Why are you political? Why are you changing the name? You're ruining this. Like, yeah. So just as loud. Like I saw the comments on both sides, just as loud. And yeah. like, I think you have to have empathy and look at people at things through both people's lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't a lot of like, what seemed like rational, helpful conversations in the middle. So how did you navigate that both emotionally and just like navigating those conversations? Cause I'm sure you had some tough ones.
2: Well, if I'm like, if I'm going to be hundred percent honest Um, I think that the feeling that resonated with me the most, that was, was the hardest for me to grapple with was, um, disappointment in the gravel community in the fact that there were no, there were no conversations that were going on that had, there were very few conversations going on that had much value. Um, there was a lot of hate and I, that's not something that I was familiar with in the gravel cycling community, um, and getting to watch it firsthand when it was happening, like you said, on both sides. Um, it was really hard because I feel like, I mean, I know why it happened. It's because this event, people feel so passionately about this event. And so I under, you know, I, when I would step back and look at it that way, I got it, but I just felt like we could do better and we weren't doing better. Like, I mean, we, as the gravel community, we weren't doing better. We weren't, talking to each other. We were just yelling at each other. Um, and having none of that empathy. Um, I dealt with it largely by simply turning away from it and just not looking at it because it got to be where I couldn't. Um, I woke up, um, the Monday morning, kind of after everything really went South, I woke up in tears and was just like, I just have to turn this off for a while. Um, so sorry. Um, I do hope, you know, even right now with the, you know, launching the rebrand, of course, you've got people that are going to tell you why you did it wrong and why it's not right and blah, 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 blah. At least I haven't seen a ton of super hateful stuff so far and, and that I'm grateful for. And I'm, I'm excited that we get to start turning that conversation back to what I believe this gravel, gravel community is so if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: What about you, Michelle? I know you're, it's not as much of an emotional involvement, but, but, seeing it from, I guess, the bigger company side. I know Christy worked for Lifetime as well now, <laughs> but it's just a different viewpoint, right?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's really, in, our organization's interesting because it always feels like there's someone more corporate than you. So like for Christy, I, I'm like Lifetime, but then for me, I'm like, no, Lifetime is like the mothership in Minneapolis. I'm like grassroots events. <laughs> um and but no i i would echo every i think again like the hurt that Christy felt probably felt that she was watching probably felt a little bit more personal but i i would agree that it it did become disappointing and it was very damned if you do damned if you don't like it felt like when we were trying to take action and illustrate that we were trying to be transparent and take the right steps it like there was something wrong with that um but uh, to Christy's point, we, we've we reflected on this so many times. We understand why it happened. We understand that there's repercussions for um, mistakes that we've made or maybe didn't acknowledge um, and hurt that was caused. And also that on the flip side of it all, that this event has meant so much to people and they've never associated with it negatively because it's only brought positivity into their lives. So I think recognizing all of the different things that people were feeling made it much easier. But at the same time, we made the emotional and strategic decision to just say social media is not a safe place for us to be right now. That doesn't mean we're not working on it. That doesn't mean we don't care. But there was nothing productive that happened the last few times we shared anything on social media. And it just was like, let's focus on what we need to do behind the scenes, focus on having the conversations with the people that we need to have without it being on this public forum, because we want to have proactive forward moving conversations. So let's do that. And then throughout that timeframe, we provided lengthy updates for everyone through email and on our website. And if they wanted to read them, they were there for them. Um, But we really just like, in order for us to move forward, the team needed to just focus on everything that we needed to do to move forward, only positive, um, because the only way we were going to get to a solution was focusing on the positive. And actually, there was a lot of positive that was going on once mm-hmm. we stepped away from that. It was like, actually, we're in a point where now we have like the ability to grow and we have the ability to change our colors. Like we really want to change our colors. What do we want them to be? And starting to think about all of those things and having positive conversations with people that were cheering us on, maybe they even disagreed with us and they acknowledged that we needed change, but they were also cheering us on and contributing positively to the conversation did leaps and bounds for the team. Yeah.
1: I remember Christy, you had said, I'm going to butcher her last name because you know, I'm really bad with last names. Alexander, Alexandra, Alexandra, Alexandra. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the conversation she brought to the table, uh, mm-hmm. she wrote an article and it was yeah, you know, at both sides. And it was one of the most helpful conversations, especially for people that were kind of against the name change locally mm-hmm. was one of the most helpful things. What was it about that? That was
2: helpful. That I think she put it into perspective where this was a woman um, that had done the um, Excel and loved her experience out there and was supposed to be somebody that was very much against this event as a native American. Um, and she wasn't, she didn't like the name. Um, and her being able to put it into her own words, which she's a, a, she's a masterful writer. Um, so for her to be able to take it and put it in her own words and make it so that people who were against the name change, read that and be like, Oh, that's, I get it now. Um, her article was really powerful for us because it helped us move some of those naysayers and helped us educate them and help them understand why it was important to change the name. Um, I'm incredibly grateful that she wrote that article.
1: Yeah. And we'll put, uh, find that and link it in the show notes. Cause she just does talk about like this is my experience and how I feel and um, gives people an opportunity to have empathy toward what somebody else is saying instead of like taking a side in anger was what I think was really powerful about that. Very much. Yeah. And
3: I think what we keep talking about now and even through the la- the process is like perspective and open-mindedness. And those that read Alexandra's article with a little bit of open-mindedness were granted perspective and that's, that caused a lot of shift. Yeah. Um,
1: okay. Well, let's talk about the new name and where that came from. And I did see a dude bro on social media last night that was like, I could have come up with that in two hours with a of beer. How come it took four months? So give us the kind of story of the name and what it takes for a big corporate organization to change a name. <laughs>
2: Uh, Well, let's, I mean, if we started at kind of the very beginning, we basically were really looking for input from um, people around the event um, and getting, I mean, basically we kind of started with just like a word search for lack of a better term of like, tell us what DK means to you, tell us what DK is, you know, what words you associate with it. And and then we started compiling that and then we put together a task force um, from that and really started just working the problem i you know um we did have some names on the short list that that came off the table after the meeting with the con nation um but you know i'll let michelle speak a little bit more to the design and like colors and all that kind of stuff but um that process was um although it was internally run it was definitely a community process i would say
3: Mm Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I'd say, and again, I know I work for Lifetime is that we actually did take a pretty grassroots approach to the rebrand. I know there's been feedback that it seems corporate, but we, we really kept it without within our team and within outside um, folks to get our, to get our list of words. It was, it was Leland, Christy, Treva and I sitting in our room for hours and hours like multiple meetings and we had this like google doc of just like words on words on words and googling synonyms of more words and adding them on and reviewing that and crossing words out and bringing them back in and there was a lot of that that went on um this survey that we had this internal external task force that we met with four times and then the other thing we did was again lots of one-on-one conversations temperature checks within other people within the community, within partners. And then we moved into wanting to assign visuals to it. Um, for that, we our brief was really based on the Flint Hills and we wanted something forward moving. We, we knew that um, the bison had been something that had been within the logo in the past. And we were open to the idea of keeping that in there, which we ended up doing. Um, And then when it came to colors, it was like, well, last year it was gray and maroon. And I know that was a new logo. But after that process, all of us kind of felt like we just missed the mark on representing the area, the race, um, the vibe of the event with those colors. So we had the opportunity to start fresh. And we worked with um, our designer, Amy Wynn, on the colors that we were looking for which were supposed to be bright, vibrant, representative of the Flint Hills in the late spring. I think she really nailed that. Um, if <laughs> One of the most positive comments that we've received is that our logo and colors are really cool. And we're really proud of that and what we're gonna be able to do with those colors moving forward. Um, they're just fun. And well, and
2: we I think Michelle and I uh, worked together on Big Sugar And, you know, the exercise that we came away with there was when, when we got to that color palette, it was literally, I was on a run and was just like this, these are the colors. Like, and it felt, it felt like we missed that mark with the rebrand we did initially with DK. Um, I also thought we had quite a few cooks in the kitchen on that rebrand. And this time we did a little bit better job of, of getting the input and then narrowing the team so that it was, it was, it wasn't getting super watered down. So to speak, but it basically came down to that: it was like, what do I see when I'm on a bike? Mm-hmm. When I'm when I'm riding in the Flint Hills, what does it look like? Um, and we've had some critique about our name not giving enough homage to the to the um, location. But what's funny is that when I look at our logo, that's all I see is the Flint Hills. Um, I see the colors that you see when you're on your bike out there, that late May, early June. Um, I see the movement you know the road winding up through the bison's back i see the hills i see the flint hills um and so to me it's almost like we didn't have to put it in there because it's all built in it's all built into the colors and the logos we've told the story of the flint hills in my mind and we get obviously we've got more work to do on that when i think we'll do it so
3: i'm confident in that yeah and yeah on our task force we you know we were going through names every week but we also brought a couple of color palettes Forward, And I can safely say that the color palette that we netted out with is the one like unanimous thing that happened out of that task force. Like when we threw these dip four different color palettes out in front yep. of the team, every single person on the task force agreed that 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 color palette was in their top two picks. Most people all agreed it was their favorite. So, and for us, it was like, sweet, we got the colors, we're gonna move on from that. We got the colors, we got the logo, now we gotta get the name. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> the color is the most important thing, right? It's what the shirts will look like. Oh,
2: I love it. I love our colors, so.
1: Yeah, they're really cool. Colors. Um, yeah. And I will say people, if you just glance at the logo, it's one of those, what are those pictures called where it's like, like one thing and then you have to look at it's another thing. Cause it just looks like,
3: just yeah, look at it for illusions. a minute. Yeah. yeah. You can see some people see the bison right away and others see the hills and the road right away. I
2: loved it. When I said to somebody, I was like, I just loved it. I just love the bison in there. And they're like, Oh, Oh, I just thought that was hills with a road through it. Oh my gosh, there's a bison. And I'm like, yeah, that's what's rad about. It. Like, I yeah, I'm really proud of it. So
1: that's awesome. And then um, so you were gonna announce this a while ago and go on vacation, Christy, and what <laughs> what got stuck?
2: Um I think the the concept there was that um we were, we were going through trademarking, um, issues and internally there was a desire to try to go with a bigger, broader name. Um, and, and that was running into problems. So really it just kind of came down to like what we could and couldn't do. And, and in all honesty and in fairness, um, we wanted to get it right. So hitting the pause button to go, to go through the extra processes that we went through or, was completely legit. Um, And, you know, I probably would have blazed ahead had it been just me and Leland sitting here in the office doing this um, back like the old days, but um, it would have been the wrong thing to do. And the right thing was to do was to take a breath and just make sure we were crossing our T's and dotting our I's um, ultimately. So, yeah, long story short is just, or maybe that was a short story long. I have no idea.
3: (laughs) 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 probably a long story short <laughs> yeah
2: but yeah and it's not i mean like come on people please like the this concept of like we could just it was just so easy and you could just do it like i'm really baffled by that like i'm i'm really baffled by that because i'm like do you do you really think like doing all of this is just as as simple as a click of a button especially when it's an event that's this size like i'm i'm kind of surprised by that a little bit like it doesn't seem like it's a big leap to go from it's going to take some time to being, you know, like you should be able to do that overnight to it's going to take some time. like yeah that should awesome. be an easy okay. thing to yeah. understand.
1: and that's why i was asking michelle some of the questions about lifetime and understanding how big lifetime is. uh because when you think about that, even though the big brand wasn't involved like micromanaging the process, they're still liable and that's that goes from like Christy and Leland getting sued for something and they don't really have any money to a really big corporation. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean,
3: gloves so. off. That's, that's I think what Christy's speaking to when it comes mm-hmm. to trademarking, because I would say I, I like in full honesty, this process was driven by the team that works on unbound gravel year round. Like that's who is driving this. Um, It wasn't until we were in the last phases that it went through the, corporate approval, which was just two individuals on our, like two higher ups. And I think we navigated those approvals pretty easily. I mean, they didn't even have changes. It was just like, this is where, where we're at. And this is why, and this is who's been involved. And we got the green light. But when it comes to trademarking, a mom and pop in Emporia, Kansas is not necessarily a target for a lawsuit as much as a billion-dollar company um, that is technically the oversight of Unbound Gravel. So, making sure that we paused, it, that it, that is a byproduct of being such a large corporation because it is a risk, and we wanted to make sure that before we moved forward with anything, we were minimizing the risk. Um, and also so that we wouldn't have to go through another rebrand. Thank you. In yeah. three three years. Years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Christy's
1: like, and that would be the end of me. Yeah. <laughs> a little race with 10 of my friends called riding around the hills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's going to be it. <laughs> oh, oh
3: man. Cool.
1: Well, what's, what's the story for next year? Like, Obviously, you're in June, so we're still looking at what's going to happen uh, with COVID early next year. Uh, are you going to open registration? Are you already sold out because of people that are going to come back? For next? Like, yeah, tell us what the scoop is for Unbound 2021.
3: Yeah, we are launching deferral registration on November 16th. So, anyone that had registration in 2020 that chose to defer their entry, um, they can register starting November 16th through December 16th, and then we'll be holding a really small lottery in January. Um, I say really small, but we're we're really not sure. It'll depend how many people redeem their deferral um, come November and December. We'll determine how small or large our lottery is. But we can all agree that the event will look different in mm-hmm. 2021 it will be smaller than it has been in 2018 and 2019, just because, you know, early June is, it's not that far away. And um, we wanna make sure that it's something we can control, field size we can control. So there, I, there will be differences.
2: I think but. that note is important that, you know, it's gonna, it is, it's gonna be a little bit different experience in 2021 as it is gonna be at all events in 2021. and. I think that's important to note when you, when you do, if you are signed up and you get that deferral email and you decide you want to go ahead and go to 2022, it's your opportunity to do so. If, you know, if you're coming here for what this event has, has been in the past, it's going to look different in 2021 because of COVID restrictions. And, and of course we're going to watch those closely and, and I'm sure we'll have um, great protocols in place um, to keep athletes and staff and volunteers and the community as safe as we can. But um, bottom line is like, Uh, those decisions are going to roll as we, as we know more with it being so, so far out, but yeah.
3: Yeah, we we have to be dynamic and it depends what people care about. So if they're coming here because they want to just ride 200 miles in the Flint Hills, well then for them, the experience really is not going to be much different because they can ride their 200 miles through the Flint Hills. If you're looking to come to the world's biggest most premier gravel event and have your 110 booth expo with DJ and post party. And we don't know what that looks like for this year. Um, It's not that it's out the window, but we just simply don't know. So depending on what experience you're looking for, we'll probably guide if people want to stay in 21 or move into
1: 22. Well, I have one last question for both of you to wrap us out. And I'd just love to hear what have you learned personally through this experience and not like how to trademark things, but like, how do you feel like
2: you've changed or grown or how has this shaped you? The, the resiliency of unbound gravel, um, is, is pretty dynamic and pretty real. And, um, and so is the gravel cycling community. And so is Emporia. And, Um, Ultimately, so is Christy Moan, so um, I think that, you know, um, we're, we're all going to come through this. It's, it's a, it's a bike race in Emporia, Kansas. Like, we're all going to come through it just fine, so.
3: What about you, Michelle? I think, I think for me, and not to where I was going earlier, is that um, open-mindedness and perspective is key, and sitting in my seat um, leading the marketing for off-road events at Lifetime doesn't mean that I understand how people have associated with the event on all sides of the proverbial box. And I I think taking some time to hear everyone's perspective, even when I disagreed with it, um, even when I knew that they hadn't heard the whole story or they hadn't had the right conversations. Just learning that everyone comes from a different place and there are emotional connections or disconnects, um, both sides of it, that all or we will never understand, but that doesn't take away from how people feel about the situation. So I think that can be applied to life too Even especially in this time, you know, we're leading into election week, and it's just people come from different places and they have different perspectives and they're valid and how they feel. Um, So, just making sure that we, as yes, we're a bike race in Emporia, Kansas, but you know, Christy and I were talking about this last night. We're also a life changer for people, and understanding that you can change people's lives no matter if you share different perspectives or not um, is really important. And everyone within the community is really important Um, and I feel if anything like it's opened my mind to more perspectives than my own yeah well Michelle I think that is great perspective
1: for us to end on as this is coming out on election day (laughs) and it's really a time that we can all maybe listen to each other and you don't have Empathy doesn't mean that you have to agree with the other person, but you can understand somebody's feelings. Even if you're like, that's, I don't agree with that. You don't have to be angry or mad. You can, you can listen and try to understand. Um, So I think that's great perspective to lead us right into the day. So thank you all so much for being so open and sharing everything. And um, I'm glad I got to take over my podcast again.
2: I know. (laughs) And you know, you, we really, that not to like, Throw a wrench in this, but we need to have Michelle back to talk about Michelle. I
1: know
3: we do. I'm <laughs> so. more than a lifetime employee. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, we'll definitely have you back to hear more of your story, Michelle. Um, I thought about that and I was like, this might be like a three-hour podcast if we keep going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we did want everybody because Christy co-hosts. We wanted everybody to understand a little bit more behind the scenes and where this came from and and the story. So.
2: And I will say too, you know, the the team here is available. Um, It's not hard to get in touch with us. And, you know, if you've got questions or concerns um, for Unbound Gravel, um, that's what we want to, you know, we want to have those conversations. So, Awesome.
1: Well, I hope that everybody uh, has voted or is on their way to vote as they're listening to this today. And we will talk to you next week. The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listing platform. Our producer is Taylor Mayhem Rudolph. You can follow us on all of the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com.